Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your host for this morning, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapa. I'm joined this morning by my wife once again, Hasadiah, in the building, y'all. Shalom. I want to say um, shalom to uh, 12 tribes worldwide, man. Send shouts out to um, our brothers here in San Antonio, our brothers uh, H-Town, our brothers in VA and Rochester. Uh, looking forward to seeing the brothers in H-Town, man, this upcoming weekend as we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, y'all. I know uh, all of Israel is not celebrating it at the same time, but it's all good, man, as long as we are still recognizing the high holy days with uh, in which the Most High told us um, to keep, to uh, worship, to cherish, to have throughout our generations, plural, generations. As for um, some brothers thinking that we no longer have to keep the law or the high holy days, man, shame on y'all. That is not biblical at all. But anyway, man, I don't want to start no controversy. Um, but de- definitely want to send shouts out to everybody, man, having um been on for a minute last week, uh, was at the plantation, so didn't get the opportunity to do the show. But, yes, back again this week, y'all. It is a pleasure uh, to be back on the air, man. So shalom, everybody. hope everybody's healthy. Hope everybody had a great Sabbath, a great weekend. Hope everybody had a good day of atonement, man. Um, the Shabbat did several classes. I don't know which party is on right now, man, but go back and check those classes out about the Day of Atonement. And then, too, y'all, we got to know why we do what we do, man. I mean, if you're calling yourself a Hebrew Israelite and you're celebrating these high holy days, man, and even so much as as keeping the Sabbath, you should be able to show somebody or tell somebody Biblically speaking, or just logically, what you believe in and why you believe in it, man. You should. You shouldn't be just, I'm doing it because the camp said to do it. Or I'm doing it because this is what we're doing over here. It really makes us sound like a cult. It really does. Because that's the stigma that people put on us anyway. Oh, y'all, cult. But when you telling people what you're doing and you can't give them explanation behind it, it really makes it seem like you didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Like we on some Jim Jones madness or some some um, David Koresh <laughs> type of mess. You better know what the hell you're talking about. Give me uh, St. John 422. I'm going to get into the show, y'all. I'm going to keep my format. I just want to touch on this for a second. <clears throat> St. John, chapter 4, verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. Now, this is Christ speaking. How was shot? His Hebrew name. He's telling this lady at the well, who he called a dog, which is, you know, we know what a female dog is. He called this lady this, right? This lady was trying to pawn herself off as an Israelite, talking about our father Jacob, built this well, et cetera, et cetera. You can read, go back and read the chapter. But she was clearly not of our nation. And he told this woman, he said, you don't even know 
which are worshiping. He said, we, meaning us, the Israelites, we know what we worship. This is what Christ is telling this woman. If you're an Israelite, you're calling yourself an Israelite, you're celebrating high holy days, you should know what the hell you're worshiping and why you're worshiping it. Come on, if you don't know, you better go back and research. You better go back and study. You better go back and study. And you better establish a foundation. I know a lot of us came in to this knowledge for maybe you came in for the brotherhood. Maybe you came in uh, working with the brothers just to get a job. Maybe you came in as a woman just to get a husband. A lot of us came in for reasons that were not spiritual. Okay, cool, fine and dandy. But now that you're here, now that you're here, let's start developing a solid foundation. And when I say solid foundation, you better go back to Leviticus 20, 20, 23 chapter if you haven't read that and find out the high holy days because that's what you're going to be doing. That's what you have been doing for the time that you've been here. Shame on you if you don't know this stuff by now. Remember Christ talked about building your foundation on sand? That What he was talking about was you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know what you're worshiping. You don't even know why you changed your whole entire lifestyle around. You don't even know why you're have, you have contention with your family. You don't know why you cut your friends in the world. You don't even know. You just did it because somebody told you to do it. Look, I employ everyone, and it's true, to be a skeptic. And I'm not talking in the sense to where you're just uh, disgruntled or you're just always anti. When I say be a skeptic, ask questions. Be skeptical of things. This is how I got some of my best classes from a Shabbat. <laughs> I always had a question. I was a skeptic. And you should be. If you're going to change your life, the way you're moving, your behavior, then you should have a solid foundation as to why. You should have a hell of a good reason as to why. So people won't, well, they're going to say you're crazy anyway. <laughs> but you want to be able to, to prove your craziness, <laughs> if that makes sense. Read this again. St. John, chapter 4, verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. We know we worship. Read. For salvation is of the Jews. Salvation only pertains to the Israelites. When he says Jew here, he's talking about the Israelites. They're, they're one and the same. I want us to understand this. After the Babylonian captivity, roughly, they started referring to all Israelites as Jews. So he's talking about the Israelites. Now, give me... Uh, First Peter three fifteen. But y'all just tuning in uh for the first time to the show. I usually do about an hour of news, current events, uh talk about soapbox, if you will. Uh I ain't gonna do that today, y'all. I'm not gonna do that because this class is so extensive, it's so much information, I can't force it all into one hour. So I have to use the full two hours to uh, get the class 
to get the class, uh, to teach the class, and to give y'all edification on the class. You got this? Yes. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always. Be ready what? Always. Sometimes. Always. Uh, when I feel like it. Always. Only on the Sabbath. Always. It says be ready always to what? To give an answer to every man. You should be ready always to give an answer. Why y'all wearing fringes? What's this stuff on y'all shirt? Uh, why are you listening to him like he your daddy? And and you don't have a mind of your own, girl. Why you do everything he say, girl? Um, why are y'all not celebrating Christmas? It's for the kids, though. Wait a minute, y'all ain't doing trick-or-treating? What is wrong with you people? Something wrong with y'all. Why y'all not celebrating Halloween? It's for the kids. Look how much fun they having. Why y'all not giving people's Valentine's Day cards? Why y'all don't vote? These are questions you should do what? Read that part again. And be ready always. To give an answer. You should be ready always to give an answer to these questions, y'all. Read. To every man that asks you. To anybody that asks you. Read. A reason of the hope. The reason of the what? The hope. The hope is talking about your faith. We say we have faith, and we, we use that term very loosely sometimes. You say you have faith. What you're actually saying is you have belief in the Bible. You have belief in the Most High. Paul said, faith without works is dead. The work is I'm doing what the Bible's telling me to do. That's how I develop my faith or my hope or my belief in what it is that I'm doing. That's establishing a firm or solid foundation, which Christ talked about, building your foundation on solid ground. If you don't know how holy that is, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with there's actually black and brown people in the Bible and how this book pertains to them. If you're not familiar with a Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you're not familiar with the John 3.16 real edification of it, then you need to go back. Do your homework. Text the teacher. Hey, you got this class? Can I get it? These are the things you need to do. Read on. That is in you with meekness and fear. And you do it with meekness, so uh, enduring injury without resentment and fear. Fear who? Fear the most high, not fear man. All right, y'all. With that said, let me get on with it. So this is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, and it reads, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I'm on. I'm on, y'all. This is the prayer we should be praying on a daily to get the hell up out of this demonic, Satanic, sadistic uh, place, man. 
Let's go. Let's get the hell up out of here. Daily, y'all, we should be praying this. All right, now give me uh, Psalms 118, verse 24. Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. So until the kingdom of the Most High comes, so we can get the hell up out of here, we have to have this disposition about us. Read. This is the day which the Lord hath made. No doubt. <laughs> Read. We will rejoice. And be glad in it. Man, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Good good or bad, happy or sad, man. I had to remind myself of that this weekend. I was going through some changes for some uh, chores that I had to get done, man, that I had to take care of. It was very pressing that I've been putting off for mm, how many years? <laughs> Seven years. <laughs> So good or bad, happy say, y'all. The most high about the tooting will bring you through it, man. Definitely. Keep that in mind, man. The most high is definitely with you. Whatever it is you're going through, um, I believe it's uh, – I don't want to misquote it, y'all. I'm not going to read it. I just want to get the chapter, y'all. So y'all can go back, and it might help you like it has helped me in times past. Yes, it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, y'all. And uh, Paul is speaking about the infirmities that he had, but Yahushua, Christ had to come back and tell him, tell him that in his weakness, in Paul's weakness, that Christ is, is made strong. Hold on, let me, let me not misquote it. Let me get it real quick. Yeah, so it's verse 9, y'all. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So, and this, this scripture always reminds me of that picture, man. It's not biblical or anything, but I do like the picture. And everybody had this picture in their crib, man, growing up as a kid. Maybe your, your big mama, your dear, your auntie had it. Um it, it was a picture of footprints in the sand. And the dude was naming all this stuff that happened to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, he was with me. I saw you when he was there. whoop woo And he said, hey, man, uh, I was seeing, um, how's it go, one set of footprints or two set of, yes, two set of print footprints. And when things got hard, he only seen one set of footprints. And then, and it's supposed to be Christ, it, this was when I carried you. This is when I carry you. That's when you, you only see the one set of footprints. I had to pick you up, dude. Meaning that when we think we can't go on, Christ is actually carrying us, y'all. He's seeing us through whatever hard times we have to go through. We can't forget this, y'all. And this is why prayer is so important. And I was reminded of this uh, last week, um, my family meeting. I went over fasting and how, and Shabbat touched on this also, y'all. Check his class out about atonement. How the only way you get the most high's attention is you have to fast. You have to give something up to get it just to get his attention. Then you can make your request. So put that all together, y'all, with uh, needing the most high's help, needing your high Christ's help. And this scripture right here, man, hopefully it will help you through some troublesome times. 
I know it has with me. All right, y'all. Now I'm going to get into the class. Uh, where should I start? So last week we covered uh, the Queen of Heaven, right? And you can go back and check that class out. But the Queen of Heaven is who our people, our women in particular, was worshiping in Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 17, 17 through 18, and also Jeremiah chapter 44, 13 through 17. So there's Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 17 through 18, Jeremiah chapter 44, verses 13 through 17. So it talks about the Queen of Heaven. And we also went into the Queen of Heaven, um, which is Hera. Um, man, you got that? Pull it up for me. Let me see real quick. We also got this last week, y'all. The Queen of Heaven is used in the Catholic community and Catholic religion, referring to the quote unquote Virgin Mary. So Christ's mother. Hera is also well her Greek name is Hera. The Roman name for the goddess is Juno, y'all. And she is the goddess of marriage. The goddess of marriage. We touched on this last week. I'm just doing a, a small recap just to get y'all up to speed. So my point in bringing all of this out, now let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 27 through 30. So this is, this is idolatry at its finest, y'all. But in particular, uh, feminine or female idolatry. And what I mean by that is us worshiping goddesses, uh, female gods. You don't need that. You don't need that. Don't worry about that. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Read that. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him. Now, after Christ got through saying this, a certain woman was there, and she said this to him. Read. Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. So she was like, man. Your mama is blessed. She gave you milk. She is blessed. She was big up in his mama, praising his mama, Christ's mama. Now listen to what he said. Read. Okay. But he said, yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. He said, no, uh-uh. Yeah, uh-huh. But. Blessed are they that keep my daddy's word. So don't get off on trying to worship worship my mama. Don't get off on trying to worship this woman because this was something that we have been doing. Go back to, to those scriptures I gave you in Jeremiah and see that we were worshiping women deities, goddesses, if you will. This is why Christ said this. Keep reading. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. Why he called them evil? Because like I said, this woman was trying to go the idolatrous route and be like, hey, let's worship his mama. So Christ has come like, man, y'all evil. Read. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. Because this is what our people was into. 
Now, I want to get this. All right, y'all, let's go back to Matthew chapter 1. And, man, let's read verse 1. Matthew 1 and 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So this is the lineage of Christ, y'all. When he talks about genealogy, he's talking about lineage of Christ. So it says that he was the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he came He came through that lineage. Now, you can read all this. We're not going to read it um, for uh, time, time restraints. This is giving you Christ's beginning and all his lineage. Now, jump down to verse 11. Verse 11. And Josiah begat Jeconias and his brethren. About the time they were carried away to Babylon. By the time, by the time they was carried away into Babylon. See, the Bible is a history book, y'all. First and foremost, if you don't know the history that's contained in the Old Testament, by the time you're reading this right here in the New, you're going to be confused. You ain't going to know what the hell they're talking about right here. So the Babylonian captivity happened around 586 B.C., y'all. So this is what it's talking about right here. The time that the Israelites were put into captivity under the Babylonians was around 586 B.C. Now, we were put into captivity because of our idolatry. Because of idolatry. Now, watch this. Jump down to verse 17. Verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. So it's given Christ's lineage. It says that the generations from Abraham to David was 14 generations. Read. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon. Are until the Israelites went into captivity under the Babylonians, 586 B.C. Read. Are 14 generations. 14 generations. Read on. And from the carrying away into Babylon until Christ. And, are, from, and from the carrying away from Babylon to Christ. Now, we went into, and before the Babylonian captivity was the Assyrian captivity, then the Babylonian captivity, then it was the Persian Mede captivity around 538 B.C. Then it was the Greek captivity around 333 B.C., which brings us all the way up to the time of Christ during the Roman captivity, which, around, which was around uh, 27 B.C. So from the time of the Babylonians all the way up to the time of Christ, because it says until, the, until Christ or 14 generations, that's about roughly 559 years, y'all. Roughly about 559 years had passed. So during all of this time, guess what, what Israel was known for doing? Yep, you guessed it. Idolatry. Idolatry. This is why Christ said this. Let's get Luke again. Chapter 11 and verse 27. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee. 
and the paps which thou hast sucked. This is what this lady is saying, because what was Israel doing for 559 years before Christ came? Idolatry. All right, read on. Verse 28, but he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. He said, nah, blessed are they that hear the word of the Most High and keeps it. Don't be trying to uh, worship my mama. Y'all been doing that enough. I'm going to prove what I'm saying, y'all. So let's get Ezekiel chapter 8, and I want you to start at verse um, verse 6. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 6. Hold on, let me catch up with you. All right. He said furthermore unto me, son of man, seest thou what they do? even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. So this is the most high speaking to Ezekiel, showing him all the abominations that Israel was doing. An abomination is something filthy, wicked, disgusting, the most high loaves. He said, this is what the children of Israel been doing. You want me to show you something? Look. It's like what five more should build. Let me show you something. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you something. <laughs> <laughs> so he's showing Ezekiel everything we was doing that was off. Read. And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping thing. Remember he said this was a hole (laughs) in the door, right? So this was was a a secret (laughs) door, a secret room. You know how we be. We be hiding stuff. And that reminds me of... uh, the hole in the wall. <laughs> the hole in the wall clubs, y'all. And guess what be going on in those hole in the wall clubs? Some a little bit of everything, man. You got the best time with them spots, right? This ain't nothing new. Burrito. Abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. All the what? All the idols. Of the house of Israel. We were deep into idolatry, y'all. Read. Portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand. And a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, Hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? In the dark, where they think the Most High don't see. But the Most High said he created darkness. So how is he not seeing in the dark? You think you're doing something on the low? The Most High sees. Read. Every man in the chambers of his imagery, for they say, the Lord seeth us not. Oh, my goodness. It says in the chamber of his imagery, meaning his imagination. Everything you can imagine we was doing 
on the law. Thought we was in the dark. The most high we're going to see it. Read the report again. The Lord, for they say the Lord seeth us not. You want to go back? Mm-hmm. No, keep reading. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. Mm-hmm. He said also unto me, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. <laughs> like, man, that ain't nothing. Let me show you this one. Let me show you something. Read. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women. There sat who? Women. There sat who? Women. Women. Our women. Read. Weeping for Tammuz. We was doing, they was doing what? Weeping for Tammuz. They were weeping for Tammuz. So who the hell is this Tammuz character, y'all? I want you to read this. Tell them where you're reading from. From Britannica.com. Tammuz, Sumerian Jamuzi. In no, it says he was Sumerian. Now remember, Samaria was a chief city in the uh, northern kingdom, y'all. And I'm talking about uh, what's loosely or roughly referred to as the ten tribes or the nine and a half tribes of Israel. Read on. In Mesopotamian religion, god of fertility, embodying the powers for new life. And so this is a fertility goddess. Which our women were worshiping. Huh, huh. Now, what did that lady tell Christ? Blessed are the paps of your mama. Remember that? Where'd she get that from? Because we have been doing this as a nation, as a people. And she had just given birth to Christ. She was fertile. Right? You know. God of fertility. Embodying the powers for new life in nature in the spring. Mother the, Mother Nature. This is where they get the term Mother Nature from, y'all. It, you know, it's that's why Christ said you worship. You know not what? We really don't know what we be worshiping, y'all, or what we be just uh, adopting from this world, man, and running with it. We... These terms that we use so loosely, and these things be they be right in front of our faces, man. But we're so um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, docile. We're so stupid. We won't do any type of research. We won't look anything up. We oh, they said that this that this day is that day, and we're supposed to do this. Oh, let me just go along with it. And then when you do look it up, and you know. And you bring it out and you tell them, it's pagan. Now, you're a, a outcast. What you say? You're looking too deep into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now you're looking, in, looking into it too deep. You're taking things too literally now. It don't mean that no more. It don't mean that no more. They try to change the meanings up. But they were hammered the hell out of your kids in school about what? Reading comprehension. <laughs> Only so they can become adults and just follow people without an explanation? Stop. Read on. The name Tammuz seems to have been derived from the Akkadian form Tammuzi, based on early Sumerian Damuzi, the flawless young, which in later standard Sumerian became Damuzi or Damuzi. The earliest known mention of Tammuz is in texts dating to the early part of the early dynastic, the third period, circa 2600 to 2334 BCE. Okay, that's all I want to get from that. Now, 
And the reason I'm bringing all of this out, y'all, is because the Catholic Church, and I brought this out last week, started referring to Christ's mother as the Queen of Heaven. And, matter of fact, I guess we got to get this, man. Give me Jeremiah real quick. 7 and verse 17. I'm going to have to pull that article up, too. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 17. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? Does this sound familiar? He just told Ezekiel the exact same thing. Man, you don't see what what our people are doing? You don't see what your people's doing, man. Read. The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. To the queen of heaven, y'all. Here he is once again. And remember, who was doing this? It was our women. Now let me get this. Give me a second, y'all. I know I got it in here. No, that's not it either. Bear with me, y'all. And I I touched on this last week, but uh, I got to go into it. Maybe this is it. No, that ain't it either. I'm coming, y'all. I'm coming. Man, I thought I kept that one. There it is. All right, read this right here real quick. From Wikipedia, Queen of Heaven, a title given to the Virgin Mary by Christians, mainly of the Catholic Church, and to a lesser extent in Anglicanism, Lutheranism, and Eastern Orthodoxy. See, y'all, I ain't making this up. This is what the Catholics call Mary, Christ's mother. This is what this lady was trying to do. So we find out here idolatry, paganism was woven into Christianity. Modern Christianity, modern religion, y'all, has nothing to do with the Bible or Christ. I hope everybody's seeing this. So, with that understanding, uh, did you finish reading this? Uh, 18, we're in the middle 18. All right, now we're going back to Jeremiah and read uh, read 18 from the top again. Jeremiah 7, 18. 
The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Y'all see this? This is idolatry. But this is what the, the Christians do. Pagan Christians, they still do to this day. All right. Now let's get uh, this article right here. Tell them where you're reading from. From BibleTools.org, what the Bible says about mother and child worship. If we got Christmas from the Roman Catholics and they got it from paganism, where did the pagans get it? Now, are y'all listening to this? He said if they got Christmas from the Romans and where did the uh, the uh, pagans get it from? I'm sorry. Read that part again. If we got Christmas from the Roman Catholics, and they got it from paganism, where did the pagans get it? Where, when, and what was its real origin? It is a chief custom of the corrupt system denounced all through Bible prophecies and teachings under the name of Babylon. Uh, Oh, and as a matter of fact, let me just set up, read. And it started and originated in the original Babylon of ancient Nimrod. Yes. Ancient who? Ancient Nimrod. So Nimrod. Started all of this particular idol worship right here, right? Yes, it stems from the roots whose beginning was shortly this side of the flood. Nimrod, grandson of Ham, son of Noah, was the real founder of the Babylonish, Babylonish system that has gripped the world ever since. The system of organized competition of man-ruled governments and empires based upon the competitive and profit-making economic system. Does this sound familiar, y'all? If if it didn't have the word Babylon in there, you would think that it was talking about America. And this is one key factor, proof that we know when it talks about Babylon the Great in the book of Revelation, it is in fact talking about America. But this is where America got it from. It all goes back to ancient Babylon. Under Nimrod. Read on. Nimrod built the Tower of Babel, the original Babylon, ancient Nineveh, many other cities. He organized the world's first kingdom. So this whole uh, idea of democracy and being one nation under God, all that other crap they say, this started with Nimrod because I see you. I'm going to shoot you the articles too. Read on. The name Nimrod in Hebrew is derived from Marad, meaning he rebelled. From many ancient writings, considerable is learned of this man who started the great organized worldly apostasy from God that has dominated this world until now. Now, remember, it said that he rebelled. The reason it said he rebelled is because father, which was Cush, Cush's uh, father, being Ham, being Noah's son, they knew about the Most High. You don't think that they were taught? Remember, the flood only survived eight people, y'all. It was Noah, his three sons, and their wives. So, yeah, they knew about the Most High. Who do you think helped them build the ark? They were around their father Noah, and we know that Noah was pious towards the Most High. So, yeah, they learned. So you don't think that it was passed down or it should have been passed down, but it said that Nimrod rebelled. That's what his name meant, to rebel. Read. Nimrod was so evil, it is said, 
he married his own mother, mm. whose name was Semiramis. After Nimrod's untimely death, so-called mother wife, Semiramis. Now listen to this, y'all. His mother wife. Read on. Semiramis propagated the evil doctrine of the survival of Nimrod as a spirit being. She claimed a full-grown evergreen tree sprang overnight from a dead tree stump. This evergreen tree, y'all, is the Christmas tree. Read. Which symbolized the springing forth unto new life of the dead Nimrod. On each anniversary of his birth, she claimed Nimrod would visit the evergreen tree and leave gifts upon it. December 25th was the birthday of Nimrod. This is the real origin of the Christmas tree. This is the real origin of the Christmas tree, y'all. Give me uh, Jeremiah chapter 10. Let's go to it real quick. Verse 1, read. Jeremiah 10 and 1. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest. Somebody's cutting a tree out of the forest. Does this sound familiar? We just read it in this article, that evergreen tree. It's the Christmas tree. Read. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They deck it with silver and gold. Remember the Christmas song? Silver and gold. Yes, this is what it's talking about. Read. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now, remember, the Most High told us not to do this. And the author of this article talked about how this worship was all throughout the Bible. This is one example of it. We also got another one in Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. Now, let's go back to the oracle. Through her scheming and designing, Semiramis became the Babylonian queen of heaven. The what? Babylonian queen of heaven. Now, this is the same queen of heaven that the Catholics call Mary. This is nothing new, y'all. This is paganism at its finest. Now, remember earlier, jump back to that that paragraph. I want to bring something else up. Not this one, but the one before that. This one top. No, right here. How Nimrod married her. Okay. From. Yeah. Okay. From many ancient writings, considerable is learned of this man who started the great organized world apostasy from God that has dominated this world until now. Now, the the word apostasy means to go against, to leave previously previous doctrine. That's what it means, and that's what he did. He left the doctrine that Noah had passed down to him. Read on. Nimrod was so evil, it is said, he married his own mother. He married his mama. Why is this important? Why do you want to go back here? Because this is still going on this day and age, y'all. This is why you have mothers that their their relationship is inordinate with their son so much so that the mom thinks that the son is her husband instead of her son. This is why she has to choose the woman for him. This is why he has to get her approval for every move that he makes. This is where you get the baby boy syndrome from. 
and the mom wants the son to be her damn husband rather than her son. That's inordinate. The mom want to take the son, want, let's go out to eat. Let's go here. Let's go there. This is where that comes this is where that spirit comes from, y'all. This is why men this day and age praise who? Mamas. Athletes. After they win the Super Bowl or get a contract, they saying what? Man, I'm gonna buy mama a house. You don't never hear nothing about daddy. But you always hear about who? My mama. You in a relationship with a girl and y'all ain't working out. The first thing, the first person that she's going to call and tell on you is who? I'm calling your mama. <laughs> you don't know if I'm going to call your daddy. It's always the mama. But do y'all, I hope y'all understanding this. Inordinate. Mom, your son is your son. He is not your husband. He shouldn't be helping you pick out dresses. He shouldn't be giving you his opinion on how you look in that dress or what color nail polish you should wear. He shouldn't be in the bed with you doing nothing, reading on the computer, none of that, sleeping in the bed. He shouldn't be doing none of that with you. That's inordinate. But this is where it comes from right here. Your son is your son. He ain't your man. Read that again. Nimrod was so evil, it is said he married his own mother, whose name was Semiramis. After Nimrod's untimely death, his so-called mother wife, Semiramis, propagated the evil doctrine of the survival of Nimrod. Now, let me show you biblically why this is wicked as hell. Let's get Genesis. Chapter 2 And read verse 24 Genesis 2 and 24 Therefore shall a man Leave his father and his mother He gonna stay in his mama house Leave his father And his mother He gonna be in the basement putting his name on the orange juice Leave his father and mother Leave your mama house Leave your daddy house Read and shall cleave unto his wife. What does it mean to cleave to? This is who I'm with. I'm a part of her. She's a part of me. Read. And they shall be, be one flesh. One flesh. Mama, you ain't got no business in his marital uh, issues. That's his business, not yours. Stop trying to put your two cents in it. That's his woman. Oh, you mad because you, you don't get the time you used to get with him? He don't call you like he used to? Guess what? That's right. He's supposed to be with, dealing with his wife and his family. I'm not saying he's supposed to totally neglect you, but his first priority is what? His family, his wife, his children. Not you. I know some people might be like, oh, that's harsh. He's talking about we should disown our mamas. I'm not saying that. But what, what the Bible's saying, what I'm trying to bring out is how the praise of women 
starts with you praising your mama. I hope everybody is seeing this. Now let's go back to the article. Timiramis propagated the evil doctrine of the survival of Nimrod as a spirit being. She claimed a full-grown evergreen tree sprang overnight from a dead tree stump, which symbolized the springing forth unto new life of the dead Nimrod. On each anniversary of his birth, she claimed Nimrod would visit the evergreen tree and leave gifts upon it. December 25th was the birthday of Nimrod. This is the real origin of the Christmas tree. Through her scheming and designing, Semiramis became the Babylonian queen of heaven, and Nimrod, under various names, became the divine son of heaven. So this is where the mother and child stuff comes from, y'all. It's nothing new. This was woven into Christianity. Real. Through the generations, in this idolatrous worship, Nimrod became the false messiah, son of Baal. The false messiah, not the real messiah. So y'all running around talking about Jesus, the reason for the season around December? No, he ain't the reason for that damn season. Nimrod is. Read. The sun god. In this false Babylonish system, the mother and child, Semiramis and Nimrod, reborn, became chief objects of worship. This worship of mother and child spread over the world. The names varied in different countries and languages. In Egypt, it was Isis and Osiris. In Asia, it was Sibylle and Delius. In pagan Rome, Fortuna and Jupiter Pure. Even in Greece, China, Japan, Tibet is to be found the counterpart of the Madonna long before the birth of Christ. Thus, during the 4th and 5th centuries, when the pagans of the Roman world were accepting the new popular Christianity by hundreds of thousands, carrying their old pagan customs and beliefs along with them, merely cloaking them with Christian-sounding names. The Madonna and the mother and child idea also became popularized, especially at Christmas time. Y'all hear this? This is where all this mother and child crap comes from. Did you read the, uh, are you in that paragraph now? Keep reading. Mm -hmm. Every Christmas season, you will hear sung and chanted dozens of times the hymn, Silent Night, Holy Night, with with its familiar mother and child theme. Y'all remember that song? Do y'all remember? Now remember, y'all, all of this comes from monogamy, which was a social construct that the Romans came up with, which Christianity, pagan Christianity, adopted, which gave us egalitarianism, which means man and woman is equal, which leads us to what? The, the relationship between mother and child, which is all trees.
I had to drop these bombs on this bomb, y'all, because I know right now I'm destroying some foundations, and rightly so. Our foundation, a lot of our foundation, was built on idolatry, and it needs to be destroyed. Remember what Christ talked about, solid foundation. So this is an attempt to give us a solid foundation. The Bible also talks about in Romans chapter 12, I believe it is, or it might be 13. It says that uh, we have to be converted. Our, our minds have to be transformed. The renewing of our minds, it talks about I'm trying to renew our minds because we've been caught in, caught up in this idolatrous behavior, this idolatrous ideology, y'all. Did you read the rest of that? We who have been born in such a Babylonish world, reared and steeped in these things all our lives, have been taught to revere these things as holy and sacred. We never questioned to see where they came from, whether they came from the Bible or from pagan idolatry. Mm. And that's why I titled the class Ladies First, y'all, because we've been taught that. Ladies First. Um uh, you got to listen to her. Oh, the woman, the woman, the woman. And they bring up the double standards between men and women and say a lot of them is unfair when it um, benefits the man, but when they bring up the disparities or the, the um, what's what I'm looking for, the, um, the double standards yeah. uh, regarding women and men, when it, when it um, benefits them, it's not unfair. But these are the same people that talk about equality. <laughs> the same people that talk about equality. All right, what else did you have? Oh, no, no, I ain't want to. Right. So now let's get uh, the two Babylons. Tell them the author. Title of the book and the author. The two Babylons, the papal worship, proved to be the worship of Nimrod and his wife by Reverend Alexander Hislop. So when it says the, the papal worship, is talking about the Catholic Church. So we're going to go to page uh, 19, and I want you to start right here. Okay. Listen to this. Page 19. While this had been the original way in which pagan idolatry had represented the triune God, and though this kind of representation had survived to Sennacherib's time. Now, when it says the triune God, it's talking about the Trinity, y'all. This is also where they get the Trinity from you know yet there is evidence that at a very early period an important change had taken place in the babylonian notions in regard to the divinity and that the three persons had come to be the eternal father the spirit of the god incarnate in a human mother and a divine son the fruit of that incarnation section two the mother and child in the original of the child while this was the theory the first person in the godhead was practically overlooked so the first person in the godhead meaning the most high is overlooked and this is why you get christianity big up in christ but they don't really big up the most high in fact some like to say that they're one and the same which is inaccurate read on as the great invisible, taking no immediate concern in human affairs, he was to be worshipped through silence alone. <laughs> they said the most high don't take, he don't deal with human affairs, you worship him silently. 
<laughs> Read on. That is, in point of fact, he was not worshipped by the multitude at all. Mm. The same thing is strikingly illustrated in India at this day. Though Brahma, according to the sacred books, is the first person of the Hindu triad and the religion of Hindustan is called by his, yet he is never worshipped and there is scarcely a single temple in all India now in existence of those that were formerly erected to his honor. So the Hindu God. Y'all see, but this is woven into pagan Christianity. And I'm, I'm putting something together now, but Constantine, he implemented a lot of this, y'all. And what's sad about it is he was a brother. Constantine goes back to what's known as the Holy Roman Empire, and this is during the Byzantine era or the Dark Ages. He was a black emperor (laughs) that he adopted Christianity and uh, Christian Christianity principles, but he wooed in he wooed it in. Let me let's say it more correctly. He adopted Bible principles, but he wooed it he wooed it in with paganism. He was a pagan to the extreme. But this was us, and this is what he started. Read on. So also is it in those countries of Europe where the papal system is most completely developed. In papal Italy, as travelers universally admit, except where the gospel has recently entered, all appearance of worshiping the king eternal and invisible is almost extinct, while the mother and the child are the grand objects of worship. Mother and child are the grand objects of worship. Just like now, this day and age, y'all. You can have a woman. In the same position as a man. Let's say you get a, a woman that she really don't have a job. She stay with her mama. She might have a couple kids. She basically living off the state. And they'll say, oh, that poor like, young lady. I wonder what happened to her to put her in this predicament. We should help her. We should give her some type of assistance. But you have a man, the same age as this woman, no job. He ain't worked for X amount of years, uh, living in his mom's basement, and they'll call him what? A bum. <laughs> they will call him a bum. She needs help. Something happened to her to put this misfortune on her, but the dude is a damn bum. This It all goes back to this, y'all, what we're reading. We've been psychologically programmed whether consciously or subconsciously, to accept these principles and these rules and to live by Read. Exactly so in this latter respect also was it in ancient Babylon. The Babylonians in their popular religion supremely worshipped a goddess mother and a son who was represented in pictures and in images as an infant or child in his mother's arms. From Babylon, This worship of the mother and the child spread to the ends of the earth. In Egypt, the mother and the child were worshipped under the names of Isis and Osiris. In India, even to this day, as Isi and Iswara. In Asia, as Cybele and Deolius. In pagan Rome, as Fortuna and Jupiter P. 
Hewitt or Jupiter the boy. In Greece, as Ceres, the, mo- the great mother and with the babe at her breast. Or as Irene, the goddess of peace, with the boy Plutus in her arms. Now, we just read the exact same thing in this article, the Bible tools that I brought up. You did read that, right? We just read the exact same thing. Which lets you know these sources are reliable. He's damn near quoting verbatim what we just read. Read. And even in Tibet, in China, and Japan, the Jesuit missionaries were astonished to find the counterpart of Madonna and her child as devoutly worshipped. So these these uh, Catholic priests, they went to Tibet, and they seen this statue of who? Read it again. The Jesuit missionaries were astonished to find the counterpart of Madonna and her child as devoutly worshipped as in papal Rome itself. Xing Mu, the Holy Mother in China, being represented with a child in her arms and a glory around her, exactly as if a Roman Catholic artist had been employed to set her up. Now, how the hell did it appear over there when they had no knowledge of Mary and Christ? But it appeared over in Tibet or Tibet. This is nothing new, y'all. It's pagan, paganism, which all goes back to what? Monogamy, which you got uh, egalitarianism from monogamy, which brought us into what? Mother and child worship, which is idolatry. I hope everybody is seeing this. Read on. Subsection 1, the child in Assyria. The original of that mother so widely worshipped, there is reason to believe, was Semiramis, already referred to, who it is well known was worshipped by the Babylonians and other eastern nations, and that under the name of Rhea, the great goddess mother, from the sun, however, that she derives all her glory and her claims to that deification. That son, though represented as a child in his mother's arms, was a person of great stature and immense bodily powers, as well as most fascinating manners. In scripture, he is referred to, Ezekiel 14, under the name of Tammuz. Now, we just read that. He's referred to as Tammuz. Now, watch this. Read. But he is commonly known among classical writers under the name of Bacchus. But he's also known as Bacchus. Is that it? That is the lamented one. The lamented one. Now, let's go to uh, what page was that you just finished? Uh, That was the 21. That was 21. Mm -hmm. I want us to read that from 22. But before you read that, Mm -hmm. let's get. Matter of fact, no, keep reading uh, 22. To the ordinary reader, the name of Bacchus suggests nothing more than the revelry and drunkenness, but it is now well known that amid all the abominations that attend his orgies, their grand design was professedly the purification of souls, and that from the guilt and defilement of sin, this lamented one exhibited and adored as a little child in his mother's arms in point of fact, to have been the husband of Semiramis, whose name, Ninus, by which he is commonly known in classical history, literally signified the son. As Semiramis, the wife was worshipped as Rhea, whose grand distinguishing character 
was that of the great goddess mother, the conjunction with her of her husband under the name of Ninus or the son was sufficient to originate the peculiar worship of the mother and son so extensively diffused among the nations of antiquity. Now, that's it. So all of this, man, is idolatry. And remember, um, the name Tammuz is also synonymous with Bacchus. Now, let's get um, 2 Maccabees chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 7. Second mm-hmm. Maccabees chapter 6 Verse 7 And in the day of the king's birth Every month they were brought By bitter constraint to eat of the Sacrifices Meaning they, the Israelites, us Read And when the feast of And they said this happened at the king's birthday Read And when the feast of Bacchus was kept the Jews were compelled. The feast of who? Bacchus. The feast of Bacchus. Bacchus is also who, y'all? Tammuz, which goes back to Nimrod. One and the same. Read. And when the feast of Bacchus was kept, the Jews were compelled to go in procession to Bacchus carrying ivy. Moreover, there went out a decree to the neighbor cities of the heathen by the suggestion of Ptolemy. So this is during the Ptolemy uh, dynasty, of the Ptolemaic dynasty. But the point I want to bring out is that we were doing this. We read it in uh, during the time of Jeremiah, during the time of Isaiah. Now we're all the way up to the time of the Maccabees during the Greek captivity. And we were still doing the same thing. I want everybody to see this. Now, let's get uh, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And I want to bring this out too, y'all. So y'all know that the, the, uh, the world, the other nations, they have 365 deities of God and goddesses for every day of the, of the week, man. And this mythology and uh, idolatry stuff, it the rabbit hole goes deep, man. Um, I'm just bringing out some of the stuff. I'm just really skimming the surface. But this mess is so confusing and so made up. It's, uh, it has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the most high, y'all. All right, where we at? What verse you want? Uh, Acts 19 and verse 20. Acts 19 and 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. After these things were in... Uh, I'm sorry. Jump up to verse 19. So from there. Acts 19 and 19. Many of them also, which used curious arts... Brought... Now, when it says many of them, it's talking about us, the Israelites. So many of us, which that it says... Also, which used curious arts, witchcraft. Read. Brought their books together and burned them before all men. So this was Paul converting us, bringing us back to the Most High. Y'all put y'all other gods and y'all witchcraft away. Read. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 p- 
pieces of silver. So all those witchcraft books was worth money. Read. No, and it's no different than today, man. All the damn witchcraft, it costs money. Hell, we want to get technical. Uh, we holding witchcraft in our hand by way of technology. So there's a whole nother class. We don't. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he went into Macedonia, two of them that, mis- that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And the same time there arose no small stir about that way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana. Made silver shrines. So he was an idol maker. He made silver shrines for Diana. Now, let's get this, y'all, in case you forgot who Diana was. Let's go here. Tell them where you at. From GreekGodsAndGoddesses.net. She's right there. So her Diana, the Roman name. Hold on. Get her Greek name first. Artemis is the Roman, the Greek name. Mm-hmm. Diana is her Roman name. Right, that's her Roman name. Now, what does it mean? Who is she, the goddess of? The goddess of the hunt. She's the goddess of the hunt. Now, watch this. Telling y'all, man, this stuff is so crazy and made up. Let's go to Genesis now, y'all. We're going to Genesis chapter 9 and... Let me find it real quick. Genesis chapter 9, uh, read verse 9. No, start at verse 8. Genesis chapter 9, verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and his sons with him, oh, saying... Oh, I'm sorry. Genesis 10. Correct y'all notes. I'm sorry, y'all. We're going to Genesis chapter 10 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 10 and verse 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. Now here's Nimrod on the scene, read. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. So he was a mighty one. Why was he a mighty one, read? He was a mighty hunter before was, the Lord. He was a mighty what? A mighty hunter. He was a mighty hunter. Now, Diana, once again, is the goddess of what? The hunt. She's the goddess of the hunt. See how this all goes back to who still? Nimrod. This is idolatry. So the Israelites, we were deep, heavy into idolatry. The whole world, heavy into idolatry. Now let's go back to Acts. What's your we were in verse 20. Acts wait, wait, wait. Let me go. Let me catch up with you. It was 24? Mm-hmm. Read. Acts 19 and 24. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, 
wrought no small gain unto the craftsmen. Now, who's Zion again? The goddess of hunt, which goes back to Nimrod. He was a mighty hunter. Read. Verse 25, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. They were making dough, also making these idols, read. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. So Paul was all over Asia teaching this. There was one God. Paul believed in uh, monotheism, but the world believed in polytheism. Read. So that not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. Whom all who? All Asia and the world worship The whole world is into idolatry. Even this present day, as they were back then, and when this was wrote in the book of Acts. The whole world. So y'all want to pull John 3, 16 out y'all tell. Well, y'all never pull this one out y'all tell, do y'all? The whole world was into idolatry. No different than now. And this, at this particular time, it's talking about Diana. Y'all remember Wonder Woman? I brought this up previous episode. What was uh, what was Wonder Woman's name? Do y'all remember? I'm gonna tell you, Diana Prince. A lot of these Marvel movies and stuff is all Greek mythology, uh, Greco-Norwegian mythology. It's all mythology. Mythology, meaning it's made up. It's a myth. This stuff is not factual. This stuff is not true, y'all. These are the gods that we as Israelites were worshiping and still are worshiping this day and age. This is why Paul had to come back and say what? Now let's get First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter two. And start at verse eleven. Verse eleven. Let the woman learn in silence. Let her learn in what? In silence. Because this was the issue, man. Even now, women can say what they want to say. No matter how offensive it is, and she'll get a pass for it. But let a man open up and say the exact same thing, and now he's too aggressive. Now he's too, uh, what's the word they've been using? Chauvinistic. Chauvinistic. Um, I be told this all the time. Um, abrasive. Abrasive. Rude. rude um, cast. Is that, is that it? Crass. Crass. That's it. Crass. <laughs> Read on. What read that part again? First Timothy two eleven. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. What it says with all subjection. Let her be subject. She can't just do what she want to do. Ooh, the water says toxic mas- 
masculinity. I don't know where they get that. They pull that out. They the the inner cracker. They booty hole with that one. Tox, how is being a man toxic masculinity? So it to be loud is toxic masculinity. But a man is supposed to be loud. You want the definition of crass? Yes. Crass, lacking sensitivity. <laughs> as much as I've been called this. <laughs> I have never looked it up. This is very interesting. Read it again. Lacking sensitivity. Oh, I lack sensitivity. <laughs> what is that Ralph Chad Tresvan? Mashaba, I need you here right now singing. I... <laughs> you need a man with sensitivity. A man like me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But this, this is what women be looking for, though. Sensitive men. When they say they want a good man, they're really saying they want a man that they can control. Now, listen, y'all. I'm going to put this disclaimer out because y'all will be like, Pazapah hate women. Part of the He-Man Women's Hating Club. That is not so, y'all. What I'm trying to show everybody is that this is idolatry to worship, to praise a woman, to put a woman on a pedestal. It's idolatry, y'all. There's nothing wrong with appreciating your wife, praising your wife even, because it tells you that in Proverbs chapter 31, it tells you a virtuous woman shall be praised. That does not mean worship. Worship and praise are two different things, y'all. I hope we understand that. If you worshiping somebody, that means you're bowing down to them. That's your world. That's all you live for. Case in point, every damn love song now is about who? A woman. You're my first. You're my last. My everything. Going back to Barry White. Damn, Maxwell. You're the highest of the high. You're the highest of the high. A woman is the highest of the high. Come on, man. I'll do anything for you. My love is for you and you only. That music soul child, teach me how to love. For real? This is where we at? The world is caught up in idolatry of a woman. Even them niggas with that Egyptology crap, but we just read about them. The woman is the goddess, queen of the earth, mother nature, my queen. There would be no life without you. Niggas making songs about what if God was a her? Common made this back in the day. Stop, y'all. Stop. Read on. In verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man. But what about the prophetess Deborah? I already covered this. She didn't usurp authority over Barak. In fact, she was offended when Barak wanted to put her in the position of authority. Barak led their army, he saved Israel. 
the Most High spoke through Deborah to for her to relay a message to who? Barack. <laughs> Man. But the Bible clear Paul had to come back and put things back in order. Don't believe me, hold this. Give me first Corinthians chapter eleven, verse one. Paul had to put things in order. Like, man, hold up, y'all tripping. This is not the proper order of things right here. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse one. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So Paul said, if you want to be a follower of Christ like me, read. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things. Remember me. I'm a follower of Christ. If you want to follow Christ, get like me. Read. And keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Wait a minute. Is Paul saying there's an order to things? Absolutely. Paul saying there is an order to things. He's going to give it to us. Read. Would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ, read. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Did y'all get that part? The head of the woman is who? The man. It's her man. It's her man. She ain't the head. She don't wear the pants in the family. She shouldn't be running things, brothers. We got to step up and be men and let them be women. And if they want to be women, then we have to put them back in their place like Paul's doing right here. Now let's go back to Timothy. This is an age-old issue. I'm going to get to that. Probably not this segment, but I'm definitely going to get to it. This is an age-old issue, y'all. First Timothy, chapter 2. And verse 12 again, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. To be in silence, which means she's supposed to be in agreement. She's not supposed to be arguing, back talking, running her mouth. You show her how she's off with the most high. She's off with you, and she got a whole bunch of stuff to say, arguing with you tit for tat. Uh, you telling her about what she needs to change, the things she needs to work on, and she's telling you about you. Well, you do that too, and you should change this, and you should. T- but I just thought that Paul said that the woman should be in order under her husband. Women, in case you didn't know, your husband is there for your benefit. He's trying to make you better. The scripture says that correction is grievous to those that are taken away. Don't know don't nobody like being checked. When you're getting checked, it's showing you that you've lost the right way. You're going the wrong way. And all the husband is trying to do is put you back on the right path. But when you arguing with him, you're showing him you don't want to be put back on the right path. You don't want to be put back in order. And we say this too, man. You hear a lot of Israelites say, hey, put your woman in order. This is all we're saying. But the world hear that and say, oh, why she got to be in order? Oh, y'all beating on y'all women. No. 
Ain't nobody beating on no damn body. Ain't nobody holding nobody hostage. This is all done through free will. The one thing that you and your wife should have in common, the most important thing you and your wife should have in common is the Bible. Not what y'all favorite music is or y'all favorite movies or y'all favorite foods or y'all favorite hangout place. That shouldn't be the most important thing that y'all have in common. The most important thing y'all have in common as a husband and wife should be the Bible. And why wouldn't it be? Your whole foundation should be centered on that. And this way, now you have a common denominator. Because he might have his opinion. You got your opinion. But guess who supersedes both your opinions? The Bible. This is our foundation, y'all. We can't forget this. Read on. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Paul is giving us the order of things again. How many times he got to keep saying this? It's like we're just oblivious to this. And I want to bring this out, man, because thank you for the question. And this, this class led in so many different directions. But remember, y'all, this comes from what? Monogamy. All right, which was a social construct, which led us to egalitarianism, which means equality between man and woman, which led us to what? Mother and child worship, which led us to what? Woman worship, idolatry, monogamy is the seed for woman idolatry, y'all. Long story short, now I'm not saying that you have to have more than one woman? I ain't saying that. But what I am saying, what I've proven, is that that was made up to get you to idolize a woman. I hope everybody's seeing this, man. Nothing's wrong with chivalry. Nothing's wrong with opening the door for your woman. Nothing's wrong with giving flowers if that's what you want to do. But when you're submitting to your woman, and she's pulling all the strings and wearing the pants. That's idolatry, y'all. Where we at? No, it ain't for the weak. This is not for the weak. It ain't, man. I know a lot of people's feelings is hurt, but y'all get over it. Read on. Verse 15, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. This Paul said childbearing. Why would he mention such a thing? Do y'all understand that that's the closest that a woman actually comes to death is bearing a child? Did y'all know that? Paul is basically saying that she needs to be in order for that very fact. If she's not, she could die on that labor table. She could die. I don't really think people consider this, man. This is how deep it goes with the order of the most high. Y'all remember Lot's wife. What happened to her when she was out of order looking back? 
She got literally salty. And when you're reading the Josephus, it tell you it wasn't just the one look. Because we read the Bible and think that it was just one look. It says she kept turning back consistently. For the most, I was trying to give her chances to change. Sister says, this relates to y'all. The moral of the story, the most high keep trying to give you chances to change. Your husband keeps wanting you to change, to be better. There's only so many times and opportunities you got left for the most high to make you salty. All right, let's get uh, Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, how could I talk about this without going there? I keep mentioning that this is an age-old problem, y'all. It is. Battle for power and control in the household. Battle for authority. It's been going on since Genesis, the third chapter. So let's start at uh, verse 1. Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now. Oh, my goodness, y'all. We got disco. <laughs> we got disconnected, man. I must really been touching on some nerves because it's just no warning. It just cut us off, man. Anyway, uh, we're in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, Mashaba has done a Genesis chapter 3 breakdown. Um. And I, I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to dig into it just a little bit, y'all, just so y'all can understand. For first-time listeners, or if you haven't had this chapter broke down to you before, y'all, if y'all got disco, uh, just call back, please. So let's read that again, please. Genesis chapter three and verse one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. So he was subtle, meaning he was uh, very on the low. He was conniving, but it was on the low. It wasn't overt. It was He was real slick. But it says the serpent. Now, can we look um, the definition for serpent up, please? And like I said, we've done this before. We've brought this chapter down. Uh, this is not a complete uh, Genesis, the third chapter breakdown, but for edification purposes. I have to edify a, a few things. Where are we at? Serpent. In the Merriam Dic- Merriam Webster Dictionary. A treacherous person. A what? Treacherous person. A serpent, because I know we read this story or we heard about it, we automatically think a snake. It's a snake. A snake is talking to human beings. But the definition for serpent is what again? A treacherous Person. So this treacherous person was more slick, more sly, more subtle than any beast of the field. Now let's get uh, Ecclesiastes three nineteen in the Bible. In the Bible, Ecclesiastes three nineteen, y'all. Let's deal with this beast stuff. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 
in verse 19. So when I was talking about a, a solid foundation, y'all, this is part of that solid foundation. You have to get this breakdown, too. This is essential. And what's so wonderful about uh, this chapter is the Bible will break itself down, man. It really will. The Bible, dictionary, Bible dictionaries, use all at your disposal to get the edification of the understanding. So Ecclesiastes 3 and it was 18. Ecclesiastes 3 and 18. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them. Now, the topic is who? The sons of men. The sons of men. It's talking about men. That God might manifest to them, read. And that they might see that they themselves are beasts. That men are what? Beasts. A man can be a beast. Okay? I hope everybody's getting this. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. And verse 1 again. Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. So this treacherous person was more cunning or slick than any man, because beast is a man, of the field. Give me Matthew thirteen thirty-eight. Let's get the field. Let's get what the field is, y'all. We got to make it make sense before I can... Dig into it. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 38. The field is the world. So what's the field? The world. All right. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 and let's read with some understanding. In case you don't know, it's your first time tuning in. The Bible's written three ways, y'all. Historically, because it's a history book, right? Prophetically, the Bible tells us the prophecies, things that are going to happen, and they happen. And the last way that the Bible is written is symbolically. You'll find a lot of symbolism all throughout the Bible, especially here in this chapter, Genesis chapter 3. This is symbolism, allegory, okay? So we learned that the serpent is really a treacherous person. He was more cunning or sly than any other man of the field, which is the world. Read. You want me to start at chapter 3-1? No, wish the Lord. Three and one. Three and one. Okay. Well, where I'm at, at which? All right. Which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? No. This is what Paul was talking about in Timothy. It said that this treacherous person uh, came to the woman. Because remember, Paul said that the, the man was not deceived, but the woman. So this person came to the woman. Now, remember what the scriptures say about the woman. I guess we got to get that, too. Um, let's get Ephesians. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, we're going to chapter five. I'm trying to find a verse. 
Give me just a second. I believe it's in Ephesians. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for it. Give me just a second. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Get that. First Peter, chapter three and verse seven. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Dwell with your wife. How? According to knowledge. No, according to uh, what y'all have in common. According to knowledge. That Bobby and Whitney song. We got something in common. Mm-hmm. It says according to knowledge, meaning what? Y'all relationships should be centered around the Bible, not your emotions, not um, anything else. It should be centered around the Bible. Read. Giving honor unto the wife. This is how you honor your wife. You teach her. <laughs> you teach her the Bible. You show her Bible principles that she could apply in her life. This is how you honor your woman. It ain't down on bending knee. It ain't kissing her butt. It ain't letting her run over you and be the the man of the house. Read. As unto the weaker vessel. You're doing this, why? As unto the weaker vessel. Because she's the weaker vessel. And there's nothing against you, ladies. There's nothing against you, sisters. The Most High created y'all that way. And we love it. We love it that he made y'all that way. The weaker vessel, that soft, delicate woman, that emotional woman. Man, men, we love it. We do. Most men won't admit it. But we do. We love that, y'all. We love the fact that y'all are the weaker vessel. We love the fact that we have to lead y'all. This is our job. This is our duty. But let us do our job, please. Put your ego aside. Put your pride aside. Let us lead. Because the Most High created y'all this way. Y'all can't help it how y'all was made. And we know the Most High don't make mistakes. How else would a man get his training to now lead men, to now raise a family. 
The home is the training ground. Anyway, point made. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1. Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Oh, man, we got to get that one too, huh? So the serpent is a, a treacherous person. Now he's talking about trees. Let's get Psalms chapter uh, 1. Now we might get a couple of these just for edification purposes. Uh, We got a little time, and I, it, I'm not gonna finish this today, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Psalms one and one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now remember, it said, "Blessed be the man." So. We're talking about a man. Read. And in his law does he meditate day and night. So this man meditates in the Most High's book, his law, his Bible, day and night. Read. And he shall be like a tree. This man going to be like a what? Like a tree. A man is being compared to a what? Tree. A man is a tree. I hope everybody's seeing this. This is, think think about it, y'all. These things we use so loosely. Your family tree. That's where this is where it comes from. They say, you know, you got to know your roots. These are all metaphors. These are all allegory statements. Words we use very loosely, but the Bible uses this too. A man is a tree. I hope y'all seeing this. Hell, when, when a man impregnates a woman and the baby come out, what do we call the baby? His seed. His seed. Come, come, come on, y'all. Matthew uh, chapter 7 And start at verse Verse 15 Matthew chapter 7 And verse 15 Beware of false prophets Which come to you In sheep's clothing No, the topic is false prophets Read So he's talking about people Right, a prophet is a person Man or woman, read but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Real. You shall know them by their fruits. By their what? Fruits. Here, here's the allegory right here. Fruits. So what is Christ talking about? Apple trees and all this other fruits talking about their works. Because you know how good the tree is. You know that it's, it's a good peach tree by how sweet the peaches is, right? So you know you know a person by their works, what they do. Read. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And here he goes to let you know he's talking about men, read. Even so, every good tree. Every good what? Tree. Every good man or every good tree, read. Bringeth forth good fruit. Read. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So you know somebody by their works. You know a good man by the stuff he does. You know an evil man by the stuff he does. This is what Christ is saying. All allegory talking about men being trees. I hope everybody's seeing this. Let's go back to Genesis now. 
And you know what's crazy too, man? If y'all get time, man, look up the nervous system in the body. And you'll see it looks just like a tree. Most high is wonderful, man. Read on. Genesis 3 and 3. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. So the works of this dude right here. Because it says, but of the of the fruit or of the works of the tree or man, which is in the midst of the garden. Read. God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So what's going on right here is Eve is being introduced to some knowledge that's not of the most high. And this knowledge that's being presented to her by this treacherous person is, in fact, idolatry. Anything other than the most high is idolatry, y'all. Point blank, period. Read. Verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman. So the serpent, or this treacherous person, said to the woman, read. Ye shall not surely die. Girl, you ain't going to die. <laughs> Girl, you is not going to die. I don't know who told you that mess. Let me tell you a little something. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. <laughs> read. Verse 5, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then. Now listen to what he's saying. What God don't know, your God knows that when you learn what I got to teach you, read. Then your eyes shall be opened. Then you're going to be opened up to things you wasn't previously opened up to. Your God is going to know that now you're committing idolatry. This is basically what he's saying. Read. And ye shall be as God. And you're going to be just like the God that your husband running around here doing everything for, <laughs> that your husband waiting on hand and foot for, that your husband like step and fetch it for this dude. You're going to be like the dude your husband running around here raggedy for. You're going to have power and control over your husband. Once I drop this knowledge on you that you don't know, girl, knowledge such as what? Oh, you want to get what you want out of a man? Let him see some tears. Ah, oh, why don't you blush a little bit? Wink your eye at him. Give him that look. You know, the look. He'll do anything for you. You know what? If you show a little skin, you'll get him listening. <laughs> Show a little skin. You'll get him to listen to you, girl. He'll do whatever it is you want him to do. You know what? Don't give it up for free. Make him earn it. And once you give it to him, now you got him, girl. You can get him to do anything you want him to do. And you can ration it out to him from now on. This is the game that this dude put Eve up on, y'all. I hope y'all seeing this. But this is where the idolatry of a woman all started. It started right here. Read that part again. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Now, remember... Adam was already a guy. Let me prove this. 
Let's get um, Genesis chapter 1. One and twenty-six, Genesis one twenty-six, y'all. I'm telling you, Adam was already God. Now, now, read this first. Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-six. And God said, "Let us make man in our image." So God said, "Let us make man in our image." To be made in the image of a God would make you a what? God. It would make you a God. Adam was a God, but. Keep reading. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Let them have what? Dominion. What's dominion? Power, rule, and authority. Power, rulership, and authority over what? Over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Over everything that walks upon the earth, including man. Adam was a god. I hope we get this. Now, what I was going to ask was, if Adam was a god, then what would that make Eve? What's the counterpart of a god? A goddess. That would make her a goddess. She already was a goddess. Stop being one. But remember, she was going to be a goddess that was in order to her husband. But she didn't want to be. Up under her husband So when the offer came Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 And verse 5 Genesis 3 and 5 For God doth know That in the day ye eat thereof Then your eyes shall be opened And ye shall be as God Knowing good and evil The offer was presented to her To be over her husband To be a God over her husband Y'all This is why she fell for the banana in the tailpipe. He was offering her something she previously didn't have. Because she had everything, right? She was the counterpart to her husband, which was a god, which made her a goddess. So she had authority over all these things under him. But she didn't want to be under him. I hope I hope y'all seeing this. Why else would she give all that up? So listen to this dude Who she didn't know from a can of paint Why would she give all this up To listen to him y'all Jeopardizing Her relationship with her husband Remember She's seen her husband Working for this power That was pulling his strings That had him coming and going Obeying Submitting She wanted that This is why she took the bait. This is why she gave all of that up in efforts to have control over her man. I hope y'all are seeing this. That was the six, 60 second mark, y'all. So this is a good stopping point. I hope everybody got some edification out of the class. Got some understanding. If y'all have any questions over anything we discussed or went over, y'all want to get uh, these articles uh, shot to y'all, hit me up. Shoot me an email address because they're on my iPad, so I'm going to have to email them to y'all. 
So, cuz, if you're listening, shoot me your uh, email address. I'll send them to you. Uh, the Water Shop was looking up the broadcast. The Water for everybody listening in. And I hope to see y'all this week. I see Tabernacle uh, with the Brothers H Town. And until next time, y'all, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tazza Pie. Tuesday. Tazza Pie. Tuesday. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say Shalom. Shalom. And we out.